and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse 1d6 damage at a time. That dead horse is that catchphrase. I'm Jeff, and my co-host John and I choose voluntarily, of our own volition, to read terrible old RPGs and bring you the details. This week, a White Wolf classic converted to d20 for no good goddamn reason, Aberrant. It's all superpowers and feats and blood grit death blood, and we can't wait to tell you all about it on today's... System Mastery. So wait, you seriously never heard of jelking? No, I have no idea what jelking is. Man, that makes me feel like the internet pervert, even though all I do is know what it is. Yeah, well, that's that's you. You're the internet pervert. I think that's your superhero. Known internet pervert. <laughs> yeah. I am the internet pervert with all the powers of 4chan. I'm not even making an announcement because we're in a fight. I just have to go from house to house. <laughs> I just, I'm legally required to let you know. Hey, kid, are your parents home? I'm an internet pervert. <laughs> okay, so what's, what's jelking? Okay, jelking. J-E... L-Q-I-N-G, I want to say. No you, just jelking. And it's tucking your dick to make it bigger. What? Yeah. It's a bunch of different methods and stupid shit that idiot men do because they're idiots on the internet to try and make their dick bigger. You know, that's like a, like a whole thing on the internet is one of them is, you know how much the internet is always like, did you want a bigger dick? Yeah, that's like half the internet. And the other half is how I get lady show feet. <laughs> like, those are the two halves of the internet that are left. <laughs> and... Oh, and then there's a Gamergate fight in one corner. But but, uh, je- but jelking is one of the different how-I-get-big-dick type parts of the internet where all these guys have convinced themselves that if they just jack off hard enough that it'll make their dick bigger. Yeah. And there's all these techniques like start from behind the balls and pull up or attach like a clamp to the end of your penis and then tie a wet towel to it and hold that as well, long as you course, can. Of course, it all makes sense because, you know... It's a muscle, and if you use a muscle more, it'll get bigger. But it's not a muscle, and there's no muscles in oh, it. I know. But whatever, you know, it's fine. No, but it's fine. I understand the dumb, stupid idiot logic that would lead you to this. Yeah. Personally, I think the the way to improve penis size is to... Because if I were to float my own theory about crazy pe- penis size expansion for the internet, it would be the penis is a series of flood-filled or fluid-filled sacs, right? That's what it is. Blood fills up your penis, and that makes it hard. What if you got more blood in there? Right? So what you need to do is go get a blood transfusion before you uh, get your boner, and if you have too much blood in your system, it'll give you a bigger penis. Now, bear with me, because the website comes out next month, and it's <laughs> called TooMuchBloodSuperPenis.com. Oh, blood penis. Hey, there's a good Iron Age character. There you go. Death blood, blood penis. <laughs> We're an image imprint. <laughs> this blood penis is for you. <laughs> okay. All right, well, <laughs> you know, we should probably start talking about the role-playing game at some point. I mean, maybe. I could try it. I think, I mean, I'm sure someone's here to hear about that instead of us talk about dicks all I know, day. there's at least one fan who was listening who was like, oh, finally, they're addressing jelking. <laughs> I, I have been looking forward to the System Mastery take on that for forever. I keep submitting it to the afterthought questions, and they never answer it. There you go, known internet pervert. Or... Hashtag, or at known internet pervert on Twitter. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. So, what do we got? What do we got? Aberrant? Aberrant. Aberrant D20. Yes. We this are is... covering the original White Wolf Aberrant today. Yeah, not to be uh, confused with the Aberrant that was playable in some way. This is... Well, it's got to be as playable as every other old White Wolf game, right? Huh? 
So, moderate until you actually try it? Uh, pretty much. As long as you don't poke at the edges, it's pretty good, I'm guessing. Fine until you try and min-max. Yeah, that's pretty much Old White Wolf right there. So, no, this is a D20 product. This was from that period after the OGL, or whichever their first one of those rounds, because OGL's open gaming license, wasn't there one that was the first D20 expansion was something else? Or is that it? I don't know. Whatever. No, that's it. That's that it. was just the 3.0. Okay. So this is during that period in the early 2000s into the mid-2000s where every game converted to D20 because they, everyone thought that's where the money was. Yeah, well, White Wolf, uh, in particular, had their own entire series of it. They had Sword and Sorcery, mm-hmm. which was their D&D line, and then they decided, fuck it, we'll just make anything we have that isn't our baseline White Wolf system in D20. So they took Aberrant and were like, Fuck it, no one buys this. We'll turn it into D20. Maybe someone will buy it. There's a lot of references throughout the book to two other lines that are equivalent to Aberrant. And one of them is like a sword and... Or no, it's, a, it's like a pulp hero. Yeah, it's, in- it's a pulp adventure, the kind of like, ha, ah, I'm in like the Old West, or I'm adventuring in yeah, it's darkest like Africa. It's like Indiana Jones stuff, right? Yeah. So to have a fedora and get all two-fisted McPunchy. Yeah. And then the other one was Trinity which was their sci-fi imprint with psychics. It's like a post-humanist thing, where it's like deep in the far future where everyone is part robot and all psychic. Yeah, that's it. So, okay. But this book keeps mentioning those and saying that this is part of a line where of progression that started in the ancient Nazis versus Egyptians story of whatever the pulp one was called, and then ends in the super future. Yeah. Okay, so this is the middle ground. This is in the middle, right around 1998, a massive explosion happens on a satellite, and the end result is that a one in a million people get crazy superpowers. And I, was, I, was tr- I was just now trying to remember what the name of that satellite the, was. The Galatea. And all I could think was Glorantha. Oh, so and I was like, no, no, that's wrong. That's another shitty role-playing that's game. That's the one with the ducks. <laughs> that's not a shitty one. That one's awesome. That's the one... <laughs> That's the one with the duckesses or whatever they're called. The duckesses. Yeah, yeah du- that's where you can play as the Donald Duck race. Yeah, basically. Have yeah. you ever seen the art from it? It's oh, amazing. Yeah. It's it's all these, like, I'm a human and I'm a guy and I'm whatever. And then you're like, I'm Donald Duck. That's yeah, my race. They all kind of look like Howard the Duck in, like, Barbarian Get Up. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the Galatea The explodes. Galatea explodes, which probably happened because someone put some kryptonite near her. <laughs> Like, isn't that Power Girl's real name or something? I, I, I don't know. Anyway. I don't know from DC. DC can eat my ass. That's right, all of you listening. That's one Fuck of their powers. DC. I mean, you know DC characters have all the powers, including eat John's ass. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> that was part of Silver Age Superman's ability set. Super ass eating. Yeah, and you know, originally it was Super John ass eating, which was mostly of benefit to Green Lanterns and Martians. But... <laughs> <laughs> But here you are, benefiting from it somehow. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> we all have our roles to play. Do Martians even have asses? I mean, I guess they can. I mean, they should. They can They can create a reasonable facsimile of an ass. And so can Jon Stewart, out of green magic energy, if he wants. And so can I. Yeah. I, he can create a reasonable <laughs> facsimile of an ass. It's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> For government work. <laughs> I mean, poop comes out of it. It's probably a butt. <laughs> it's basically a butt. I mean, <laughs> you can find it in there. You, here's the thing. You're going to need a machete <laughs> and a Sherpa <laughs> uh, <laughs> and a flashlight. <laughs> good. I'm glad that we have established that my butt is in a deep jungle somewhere. <laughs> it's the forest of hair. <laughs> I'm saying that you have a big, hairy Robin Williams butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> Even Superman can, par- can barely eat this. Yeah, I get a Robin Williams-looking guy jumping out of my ass. What year is it? <laughs> oh, God, okay. 
So anyway, <laughs> we're, we're both, I mean, I'm sorry that this is going so far off the rails. I'm hopped up on all kinds of cold medication. And I'm trying to keep as far away from this disgusting goo monster as possible. You have no idea. So I'm a little loopy. I'm, I'm a lot loopy, in fact. And, anyway. And I'm loving it. I'm loving every second of it. Okay. So sure enough, the, what happens is that a satellite explodes and it's got like dark star matter or something on it. From it's got some weird radiation. That from an then, experiment. Like blankets the earth and gets into the jet stream and goes all around. This book's got a real problem for me where it keeps putting putting buzzwords or extra words on top of everything because it's not enough that one in a million people get superpowers. It has to be because it activates a part of their brain called the Mazarin Rashud node. Yeah, so your MR node is everyone technically has one. It's just whether or not yours gets activated and it's a part of your brain that literally grows when you get superpowers. So you get, like, a weird brain tumor is how you get superpowers, apparently. And in addition to giving you the ability to have superpowers, it also makes you super hot. Uh, for... It it's says weird. It, it like, strips off... Well, in the interview, because the first half of this book, like, more than the first half of this book, is just a bunch of, like, news vignettes-style introduction to the world. Well, because this whole thing is all just... 3.0 game rules, they didn't have to put in all of the how-you-play-this-game rules that you'd normally have. Right, so there's a lot of So all of that is just backstory. Except the backstory isn't presented in sort of an episodic story format, but rather in like a Microsoft Encarta 1996 new media format. Well, you get the N Entertainment News, which is Nova Entertainment. Right, and then you get like the thumbs-up slash thumbs-down thing. You get my least favorite part of this whole book, which is a 13-page glossary about what's going on in the world segment that's presented by a terrible knockoff of Hunter S. Thompson named Duke Rollo. Yep. And, uh... But never do you, I mean, there's one point where there's a timeline, so that's kind of nice to get the timeline that tells oh, you no, what's going on. Oh, no, the timeline is the best thing in there because... It's all you need. No, it's, it's a bunch of weird stuff that's like, oh, yeah, in this year, here's how the timeline diverges. Yeah. So you have stuff like the, uh, the Soviet Union collapses... And, like, basically what's happening to Greece now happened to Russia, but way worse. Like, imagine you're watching a corporate training video, and you really want to get out of there because lunch is next, right? And instead of the next part of the corporate training video just being, okay, on Tuesdays, the kind of work we do is, it instead cuts to a footage of the CEO, and he goes, hey guys, drugs are whack, man. And then he does, like, a rap dance about how drugs are whack. That's what this book is. It's just endless additional stupid production values that detract from the story and replace them with, like, new new media nonsense. It's so weird to try and read the first half. Yeah, well, it goes back and forth between, you have, like, interviews with some of the prominent NPCs. Let's be known that the major NPC in this universe is literally called Fireman. Yeah, well, he is an actual fireman who, when the explosion happened, it, like, caused a whole bunch of crazy bullshit to happen as well, so there were, like, earthquakes and volcanoes and shit like that. And so, a bus caught on fire near a fireman, and then he gained the ability to absorb fire... And at least with this, they say your MR node, when it activates, will tend to give you powers based on what was happening when it activated. So a lot of the times when you're like, oh yeah, this guy got superpowers when something was happening and he was in ice and then he got ice powers, isn't that a coincidence? In the game, they're like, no, it's not a coincidence. Your brain, when your node activates, 
just associate something going on with what your powers will be. That's okay. I mean, that's actually kind of a traditional thing in, in superhero comics for the na- person's backstory to be a little on the nose. Yeah, which is why I was like, oh, they're trying to give an explanation for that. They're like, no, the reason that happens is because scientifically your brain decides that's what it's going to do. Personally, I really like it when their name is also really on the nose. Like, your superhero is named like, oh, my name's uh, Archibald Spider-Man. What do you know? <laughs> I became Spider-Man. What do you know? I became the Archibald. <laughs> I feel like the X-Men do that, but I'm, I'm straining to think of an example. I mean, mostly because I can't think of any of the real X-Men, or any of the non-basic X-Men's names. But I feel like there's got to be a few of them that are named like, Oh, my name's Jennifer Lava Powers. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's probably more of a DC thing. It probably Where you is. have like T.O. Morrow and shit like that. Oh, that's true. Yeah, fucking T.O. Morrow. Although that, he's not really a superhero. He's the guy who built that stupid tornado robot. No, he he built that, and didn't did he build a Mazo? Was that him, or was that someone else? Uh, that might also be him. It's hard to say. Uh, no, uh, Amazo is usually built by Professor Ivo. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tio Morrow didn't build anything but Red Tornado and Red Tornado's evil brothers and sisters. Yeah, Blue Tornado. It's no, it's it's they're and all Green reds. Tornado. They're all like it's like Red Cyclone, Red Inferno, and Red Diarrhea Explosion. That's the worst one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't want this. <laughs> it's the one he made after he went to Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you get, like, Professor Magnus is the other guy who builds robots, because he built the Metal Men. Oh, yeah, I know. I know about the Metal Men. Yeah. Who doesn't love the Metal Men? Everybody? The Metal Men are, like, a crap character that no one cares about? No, they were great when they were in Amalgam Comics, and it was Magneto and the Metal Men. That's a little better. I mean, at least Magneto is unlikely to build himself a robot girlfriend. Because <laughs> that's the creepy part of the whole Mag- the Metal Men story. Uh, ODC, oh, you're always creepy. <laughs> Creepiest of comics. Maybe. I mean, this thing's pretty creepy. Uh, eh. It's all right. Okay, we got. We should really get back to this book, shouldn't we? Well, whatever. All right. So the timeline. Basically, here's the story. In 1998, people start developing superpowers, and instead of it being a freak thing where everyone in the world's like, "Holy shit, superpowers!" People start adopting the superpowers into their daily routine. Someone hires a a superpower guy who can interface with computers at Microsoft, and all of a sudden, Microsoft becomes a super company because of how good he is with computers. Diseases get get cured at a prodigious well, yeah, pace. The whole point of this is. Uh, there's a lot of, like I had mentioned, the Russia economic collapse and all of the, uh, like the natural disasters that were happening, things like that. Basically, what happened is the world started going through, like, just ridiculous freefall. Yeah. And, uh, what happened was they started relying very heavily on the Novas, who are the superpowered, because in addition to just being, uh, like having flight or super speed or whatever, Every Nova also ends up getting enhanced strength and uh, cognitive abilities. Right, and they all get, so they're all smarter than normal people. They all have access to a feat called super invention, which they can use to build unbelievable inventions, which can cure diseases. And so, basically, Novas fi- like fix the world. So they keep inventing amazing things. Like, and they- what happens is you get a bunch of fucking uh, like organizations, and that's oh yeah, that's one of the worst things in this book. It's is, so annoying. There's so many of these stupid organizations. Oh yeah, you get like, okay, we've got this organization which has like this organization under it, and then also this is associated with it, and there's this one and that one, and there's just a and, billion and different they're all, ones. They're all trained up, and, and at the top level of all of them is like a, a superhero whose superhero power is just that they're really smart. Like it's, oh, I'm, people say that I might be bulletproof, but mostly I'm just very smart and I wear a suit. And I'm in charge of 
Team Triton, which is a subsidiary of Project Utopia. And we have Team Tomorrow, and then we've got the fucking Utopians and the Tritons and the Tordags and yeah, the it, Restitotians. The and... Fighting Mongooses. <laughs> the problem is that they're all just named stuff like Team Tomorrow and so on. None of them really come off as superhero teams. Yeah, that's the one thing that this does instead of hero teams is you mostly have organizations instead. So it would be like if instead of the X-Men or the Avengers or the Justice League, it was like, what are you? Oh, uh, we're like corporate subsidiary superheroes. Yeah, you can see every every superhero in this book probably wears a jacket with like a bunch of logos printed down the side of it. Well, they even have like one of the main Team Tomorrow guys. They all have a Team Tomorrow logo on their thing. Yeah. So it's... I mean, even then the Fantastic Four do that, but I feel like these guys... The way this book is written, I also expect them to have, like, a Nestle logo printed on them somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, it's, it's odd because while I understand the whole organization thing, it means that you don't have the same dynamic as you would in a standard comic book of, like, oh, yeah, we're a superhero team. If you're playing this game, it's usually, we're all employed by the same organization. It's like, instead of being in the X-Men, if you were in the Grey Malkin Academy... And if instead of being Superman, you were just one of the guys on Team Star Labs. Yeah, because with all of the Novas in here, being a Nova surrounded by other superheroes, you're just like, okay, I'm I'm one of the corporate guys, it that's gives, me. Yeah, it gives you a sense that it's a job. Yeah, you're like, oh yeah, I have like super speed and I can shoot lasers from my eyes, but I also go to the office and talk about the latest episode of Walking Dead with Tim from accounting. Yeah. It, it, the whole thing just gives you this kind of corporate sense. Like, I could just see one of these guys having a jacket that says, Nothing fights crime like Superman, but nothing fights stains like Tide. <laughs> yeah, it's it's odd. It's really weird to me that that happened. And I don't know that they fully come out and say it, but it also, you get that thing that happens in literally every White Wolf game ever that has a corporation, which is... They have a front that they're always for the greater good and they're super nice, but they're probably evil. Yeah, that comes up quite a bit. Although it never it never does come out and say that in the book. The worst, the closest it comes is during the execrable section that's that's supposed to be Hunter S. Thompson's writing. Uh, it, he describes some of the corporations as being obvious fronts for social ills, but you have to read it by reading through someone's attempt to write like Hunter Thompson. Huh. Yeah, there's there's a there's a point in there where. Because they also give you, like, emails back and forth from people and different shit. And so yeah. one of them is, uh, there was a communication between one of the people that used to be on, uh, like, Team Utopia. And they died, but they were saying that, oh, there's something wrong with Team Utopia, and I need to talk to you about it. And then she died mysteriously, so you're like, oh, okay, I get it. They're planning to take over the world, and they're like, some weird... Nova supremacist group or something. Although you have a Nova supremacist group in here called yeah, the Terragen. Terragen. Their leader, by the way, is one of the big villains of the book. And uh, his backstory is that he's a former soccer player and porn star. No, he's not the villain. That's the guy who was uh, trying to find out that was behind Utopia. Oh, that is? Oh, I'm sorry. I've got them mixed up. Yeah, no. Okay. he's He has... Some dumb power. He's basically Magneto. Yeah, he's more or less Magneto. He's, I, he's I, just, we are not humans, we are a new species, and therefore, we are sovereign citizens. Yeah, I was looking at the whole, oh yeah, they literally think they're sovereign citizens. That's their actual claim, that they don't belong to any given country. Yeah, because they're not human, they don't have to abide by human laws, and they don't belong to human countries, so 
any given Nova is his own country. Speaking of the whole human-not-human thing, have you been keeping up with the Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Uh, yeah. Okay. Am I crazy, or it's the first couple episodes of this season, basically, uh... Daisy or Sky or whatever, or running around to super new superheroes and being like, don't worry, you're just as human as everyone else. We're human, but we call ourselves the Inhumans. <laughs> uh, it's sad. It's really sad that they couldn't use Mutant. Yeah. Because be- having to go up to people and be like, no, it's fine, you're, you're still a regular guy, like, you just, you've changed, but you're still... A human, just like everyone else, we're the Inhumans. And you're like, what? Don't, no. Aw, he's like, don't do that. You see that guy going like, I don't really like that name. And she's like, well, that's fine. Some of us call ourselves the not-humans. <laughs> and some of us even go as far as the definitely not-humans for sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to it. Uh, th- that guy that was the, the one I'm thinking of that was like a soccer player and porn star was one of my favorite things to encounter in the book because it's it's so White Wolf-style edgy to be like, oh, yeah, the lead guy is... A porn star who turned superhero. Well, his whole thing is, he's like, what were you? Oh, I'm a professional soccer player that turned porn star, which is weird because they then tell you his entire backstory, and it does not include a part where he turned into a porn star. Like, it's just, oh yeah, he got powers, but no one knew because his power was influencing people's emotions. So every time he'd play soccer, there would be like an inordinate amount of riots, but because it was soccer, people were just like, Oh yeah, people write. It's fine. It was his <laughs> fault. Yeah, but it was it was apparently him making everyone go crazy with his powers. And then they're like, yeah. After that, they tried to recruit him onto teams. And then he said, "Fuck you, I'm leaving." And then it never told about how he got into porn. So I was like, oh, that's weird. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, this game is set in the far off year of 2008. And, oh yes. And uh, at this point in the storyline between 1998 and 2008. People cured basically every major disease, came up with genetic marker tests so that they could determine whether or not people would have breast cancer in adulthood, all kinds of cool stuff like that. They invented the same thing that you need to have in every single kind of uh, superhero storyline, which is magic costumes. Yep, you need to have your unstable molecules your and your... particles. Yeah, so they have uh, U-fiber. Yeah, which is used for everything. It's the Smurf berries of this universe. Yeah, everything is made out of this U-fiber because there was one... Uh, Nova that had, like, some weird cell structure, and so he invented a fiber based on that that could adapt to whatever. So it's used for clothes and, like, fiber optics for the new internet. Yeah, the, the new net or whatever. The opnet. Opnet, which is the new super internet that, that only has one channel of television, which appears to be nothing but Nova fights. Yeah, it's, it's so weird that they're like, oh yeah, opnet, and it's like, a hundred times faster than regular internet, and everyone's jumping to the opnet. And I'm like, really? Because the only thing you've told me on opnet is that it has, like, some Nova-based stuff. But unless porn decided to adopt the opnet, it's not going to work. If porn doesn't adopt it, it's going the way of Betamax. Yeah, it's going to have to be super porn. Yeah, it's going to have to be Nova porn, which I assume exists. Oh, it's got to exist. I mean, they have an entire... No, they have an entire Nova Fight League. Yeah, so it's probably in the Black Dog imprint. (laughs) Their their Nova fuck book. (laughs) Oh, man, if Black Dog imprint made a Nova fuck book, I would be like, good job. You did it, White Wolf. You finally did it. (laughs) Oh, man. I can't laugh too hard. It hurts. (laughs) I'm so sick, America. I'm so sorry. Okay. Uh, 
So they they cure every disease and they invent all kinds of super technology. Did you see it in Back to the Future too? It's in this. It's in here. They got flying cars. They got hoverboards. They got outfits that will change when you change. And if you're immune to fire, so is your outfit. I find it amusing that you have to be immune to fire before your outfit can be immune to fire. <laughs> also, the the outfit, the U fiber is extremely conductive unless it's not supposed to be, and then it isn't. Yeah, good. So, that's that's fun. Great. Okay. Whatever. So, uh, all right. And then, anything else you want to talk about the backstory before we start talking about the rules in this thing? Uh, so, fairly interesting as far as building a unique superhuman society. So you've got the whole, uh, standard split between like, oh, are they human or are they dancer? And, uh, so... You have, like, the Pope weighing in, saying that Novas have souls oh, yeah. and are human. I remember this now. And then it, the book has to veer into ridiculous... Well, it's got a lot of weird political stuff. The... Oh! The Middle fucking, East! No, the, the president is a libertarian right now. Oh, that's right. Because the past president got caught in a gay sex scandal. And so, because... Uh, this was the one right after Clinton. They're like, oh, we've had two presidents in a row with sex scandals. We don't like that. And obviously that means we're voting libertarian now. And that's bullshit. No one is voting libertarian. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry to burst your bubble, everybody. Would you imagine if that had been what happened? Instead of getting Bush, we got a libertarian. (laughs) We got some lady libertarian showed up and was like, hey, I'm here to, I don't know, fuck everything up. And there's no way I'll get into a gay sex scandal that you won't appreciate because I'm a lady. Yeah, good job. <laughs> Only dudes have gay sex scandals. Well, if ladies have gay sex scandals, then they're just hot. Yeah, I mean, come then on. America's like just like yeah, yeah. Just just imagine. Just think about the book you're reading. The book was written by someone whose whose uh, fantasy for the future is that we get a libertarian president to shake out all the gays. Yeah, well, that's the kind of person who's going to be like, yeah, but if it's a lesbian, it's hot. Because then the only thing missing between those two lesbians is my dick. <laughs> That's who writes that kind of fantasy. Well, it's it's very much a Randian utopia in here, and then it's yeah. like, well, how do we fix all the world's problems? Well, the best and brightest are put in charge, and Uber. obviously they're given carte blanche to do whatever they want because their superpower makes them better than you. Right, so the Ubermenches will fix the problem, except in countries that have brown people because they will not be able to recognize the importance of the Ubermensch, which is why Africa devolves into mercenary fighting, and the Middle Easterns actually have an, a religious objection to people with superpowers. Yeah, that's that's what it is. We get that uh, Africa is... All of our Novas are just used as guerrilla fighters. That's it. Like... The only ones who show up to uh, fix anything are Garbage Truck Man, who is outside right now. Yeah, sorry about that. We're recording in a less hot room today, and also a, a bigger room, so that John won't catch my ick. Yeah. So, uh, so deal with our garbage truck noise. <laughs> <laughs> but no, even so, uh, like Africa, the only thing that happened that was good was Team Tomorrow showed up. So a bunch of white people from America showed up and were like, we're going to fix it so that your deserts are of lush plain of, like, wheat and barley. Oh, that's right. They turned Ethiopia into a white people country in Africa after they fixed it. They just popped in and were like, hello, superheroes, don't mind us. All these, let's get all these brown people out of here. Great, okay, let's turn this into a big old green Disneyland and white people move in. <laughs> yeah, so the only thing that happened good in Africa was because white people showed up there. Otherwise, they're just fighting amongst themselves. And then the Middle East has Muslim extremists who think that uh, Novas are an abomination against Allah and declare jihad. 
Right? Great. Oh, good. Thanks. So, so far this book's got a uh, big, der- terrifying gay sex scandal, a uh, a savior that's a libertarian president, and a bunch of racism. Yep. Just in the backstory. Just, but don't just worry right they, there. Don't worry, all these Randians cure cancer, though. Yeah, no, it's fine. Because as soon as you let the best and the brightest have whatever they want, if as long as you put them in charge and give them anything they want... Then all of our problems are solved. I don't know who John Galt is, but I know he can shoot lasers. <laughs> <laughs> you have been wondering who John Galt is. It's me. Pew pew. <laughs> he keeps shooting laser beams into the walls of factories to write the words. Who is John Galt? <laughs> <sighs> okay. So actual crunch for this is standard D twenty. Yeah. Go read D and D third edition. Yeah. So you've got your. Basic uh, stats, you've got your standard ways to generate it like you would. Uh, big things where it different differentiates from that. Now, to start with, every level 1 character uh, immediately gets the superhuman template. So, you have to have a certain stat spread to get it, though, because you have to have a plus 1 on an modifier to an average of your three scores of strength, charisma, and constitution. It's strength, constitution, intelligence. Oh, it's intelligence? Yep. Okay. Strength, right. constitution, intelligence. You take those three scores, you average them, and then you take that result and use the standard score bonus chart from 3rd edition to figure out what your bonus is. You need at least a plus one. That score is called your quantum. Whatever that derived stat is, that's your quantum. So a character can have anywhere... A starting character can have anywhere from a quantum one to a quantum four. Yeah, so... If you uh, only have a quantum of one, then that's fine. You're not going to be as powerful as the guy with the quantum four, but there are ways to get it up uh, in play. Mostly like through, for example. Yeah. It's a great way to get it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great way. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I'm glad Thanks. to be of service. <laughs> I'm just bringing it around again. Yeah. <laughs> and bringing it around again is also how I get my dick bigger. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. So... Uh, so you get the superhuman template, it gives you a quantum score, it gives you the ability to get any of the superhuman feats, because literally everything you take in this goddamn game is a feat. Yeah, everything's a feat. Every single power set that you can get, from backstory to minor superpowers to real superpowers, and, and I really want to focus on, to regular feats, and then your background. So things like, yeah. do you have no, a, like uh, in a, a hideout? In a White Wolf game, there's always the background stuff that you'd get. So there's resources, or allies, or contacts, or whatever, and you usually get a set number of points to be like, alright, you get some background stuff to uh, fill out how your character currently lives in the world. Is he rich? Does he have a lot of friends? Does he have a big house? A mentor? How about a familiar? Whatever. all that stuff. In this, it's feats, because they couldn't think of a way to do anything in this game that wasn't just feats. So all of the stuff that, that makes up what your character is is a combination of your class, which provides you various feats, and then just various feats. And you get feats at the same speed that a human character would get them in D&D, because they, the way that they do your character start, and again, that's because this is a D20 product, is you're playing a human. You have to play a human. You can't play an elf because everyone on Earth is a human. Fine. So that means you get the starting human package. Plus one feet, plus four skill points. Yep. Base speed of 30 feet. Yeah, and so the, uh, the feats for that, you can choose from a lot of background stuff. And you can amusingly choose from about a million feats from the original D and D. Oh yeah, they have a bunch of things like, did you want to have precise shot or running shot, whirlwind attack? Yeah, so they've got a bunch of the stuff in there that you go, 
Well, let's see. I might be able to get one extra attack every time I drop a guy, or I could be invisible all the time. Hmm. Well, let's hmm. see. What I like to do is throw a bag of rats on the ground, and then I laser one of them with my super eyes, then I laser a foe, and then I laser another rat, and then I laser a foe. Oh, uh, you're going to run out of power points at that rate. Because this game has power points. That sure does, and it's a combination of uh, your starting level plus something from your quantum score. Yeah, and then what happens is you get a certain amount of power points, and almost every ability that you get that's a superpower takes power points. So you pretty much have mana, is what this boils down to. Yeah, and it doesn't recharge as fast as I was expecting. Usually with a superhero game, and we've reviewed a few superhero games and read several more, you tend to get your powers back either you don't even have to expend things to use them, or they just show up so fast that it's barely even an issue. To keep the fact that superheroes, you know, Cyclops is never like, I'm out of eye laser. Yeah, no. You never get a point where like, oh, well, Hulk's tired. He doesn't want to punch anymore. He ran out of strength. Yeah, so it's weird to see that in this game. And I, it makes me wonder if that was a part of the original Aberrant license, or if that's just something that they did because in D20, you run out of power. Yeah, I like, it feels like this was the replacement for spells per day for your limit, but it means that you're going to have something where, like, you have Fireman who's like, oh, I can absorb fire and shoot fire and do whatever. And he's going to be like, oh, that building's on fire. Well, I've put the top three stories out. Out of PowerPoints now, though. Peace, everybody. I'm going to need to go sleep for at least three hours, and then I'll come back, and I'll give you a, I'll give you a hand. And they're like, why aren't you absorbing power very fast? And he's like, I can only spend six PowerPoints per round. Yeah, the there's a limit on how many you can spend per round. There's a limit on how much you get back. There's a limit on how much you have total. It's very restricting because I think they, they're looking at it as a D20 license of if we just let, like, a wizard go, I have whatever spells I want and I can cast them as much as I want, then it'd be fucked up. Well, they, they keep making these little drop references in the back via sidebar to be like, if you felt like importing an aberrant character into your regular D20 D&D game, you could probably do that. Just be aware of the following things. They're better than you. It's like, why would you do that? Well, you know, if your friends are like, oh, let's go in a dungeon. I'm playing a fighter. I'm a bard. Oh, I'm a, I'm a living shadow man with uh, the ability to turn into solid stone. Yeah, it's, it's weird, but... That's fine. That's fine. If you want to have a weird crossover adventure, sure, doesn't bother go me. Go for it. It even has it even has a section where it's like, if you really want to play as a gnome, you just need to convince your DM about why there's a gnome on on regular Earth. Yeah, go ahead. Just just be like, look, I gave him some aberrant levels, and his aberrant mutation is he turned into a gnome. Well, we should probably talk about what that is. First thing before we get into the levels, though, let's start with an important detail about this game. Oh yeah, every character. Because aberrant characters are so powerful, they cannot be represented by a mere first-level adventurer. Every character starts at third level in this game. Yep. So you get your first level, you make a guy, you get a template, you put all your stuff on your template, and then you just get two more levels. Now, there are a bunch of classes you can get as your starter. So they're all things that are sort of baseline of, you're an investigator, or you're an entertainer, they're or amusing. a warrior. Yeah, they're, they're, they're scoundrel... Uh, scholar, investigator, vigilante, oh, vigilante's, uh, yeah, vigilante, warrior, entertainer, and... No, vigilante is one of the prestige. It's a prestige, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you get some of the baseline ones, and it's all, uh, much like the D20 Modern, it's all based around a stat. So, like, 
Entertainer is your charisma class, and scholar is your intelligence class, and investigator right. is your wisdom class, and so on. Yeah, and then just like just like uh, D twenty classes, like in D twenty modern, you can tell which one's which because of things like the base attack bonus and the and the abilities it gives you. So warrior is obviously the one that's got the one per one base attack bonus progression. So it's just like being a fighter. Where entertainer has like, oh, you can inspire your allies, and you well, have some. Uh, Lore knowledge of being called, around the world. It's called, like, knowledge from was, the road. Yes, yeah, like, you're well-traveled, so you've heard things. Which Great. is hilarious. I would love to hear the shit that a roadie knows. Dude, right? I would love to hear the shit a roadie knows. Well, like, my, my landlord is a roadie, so I, I occasionally do get to hear the shit that a roadie knows. He he used to ro- he used to roadie for uh, Judas Priest. Yeah, man, that's the shit. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing, and every time I get him talking about Judas Priest, I'm like, oh, man, I'm so glad you're my landlord. <laughs> this is the best. Uh, so yeah, uh, you get a bunch of those. That's your baseline class. Uh, there are also a bunch of prestige classes because those base classes only go up to level 10. Then you get prestige classes that are... Usually another five levels. Us- and usually based on, like, a combination of stats. So it'll be like, this one is charisma and strength, oh, that, so that you're Crusader the champion. One, that Crusader one is hilarious because it's so obvious what they're pulling from. Oh yeah, well that one is very obviously a paladin. Like it has it has the paladin shit. It's like your superhero is a paladin, so he needs charisma 17. But once he gets to be a crusader, he can cure diseases and lay on hands. Yeah, like, okay, great. It's thanks. Like, oh, d- does he get a warhorse? I feel like you forgot to mention that he gets a warhorse. Huh? Uh, so you get a bunch of those and those are more uh, superhero archetypes rather than just regular people archetypes. Yeah, they come in like gladiator, vigilante, and, and, and crusader, and so on. The sort of thing you think of when you think of what a superhero is. Yeah, so depending on like, what's the kind of costume you're wearing is probably gonna be what prestige class you want. Now, there are also two, uh, side things that you can get. There are two levels of superhuman. Now, you need levels of superhuman in order to unlock the higher level powers. When you first start, you can get level 1 powers. And there are three levels of powers. Yeah, so if you get superhuman 1, you unlock level 2, and superhuman 2 unlocks level 3. That's all you need. There's only those two levels. Right. So if you want, as a level 3 character, you can go, great, I take my guy, he's a level 1, whatever the fuck, investigator. Then I get two levels immediately in superhuman, because what I really want is a level three power because that defines my guy. Although you can't have one yet, you have to share. You have to save powers till you actually earn three levels or three power levels. Well, you would by level three. No, you wouldn't because at level one you get one and you get your second one level of slot power to spend at level three. So you'd be you'd be able to get a level two power, but you'd have to wait till level six before you could actually buy a level six character level total before you'd be able to have a level three power of any kind. The end result is basically that you don't want to take your two levels of superhuman right away because. It gets you nothing for several levels. Yeah, no, you definitely want to get the first level in it. It gives you an extra feat right away for getting that level, and it gives you the ability to get level two powers. Right, and the uh, the level it gives you right away, or the feat it gives you right away, is a background feat, which is kind of neat. Those are those are sort of fun. Yeah, well, there's very few ways to get extra ones. Yeah, after you've made your character, except uh, basically all of the starting character classes will eventually give you uh, an extra level of one of those background feats. Yeah. And then the neat thing is, if you've already got that background feat maxed, because there are three levels of them, then it just gives that background to everyone else in your party. Yeah, it does something cool with the background feat, but it lets you hand out background feats to other people or upgrades it in a crazy way. Oh yeah, because like, if I'm an entertainer, neat. then I get uh, a bunch of influence uh, background as my thing, but then if I already have maxed influence, then I'm just like, 
Hey, everybody else, because you are associated with me, you are also cool. Right. Okay, so there are two different types of these things you can take. One of them is aberrant. The other one is uh, superhero. We were just talking about superhero. Aberrant is what happens when thing go- things go wrong for your character because he can't control his Mazarin Rashud node, and he suffers from taint poisoning. You get that taint poisoning. Yeah. When your taint gets too stanky, <laughs> that stanky taint, you might be- you might become an aberrant. Do the stanky taint. Do the stanky taint. Are we making up the new hit dance song for uh, 2016? Yeah, well, no, it's for 2008 if you're playing aberrant. Is the stanky taint. Do the stanky taint. <laughs> yeah. That is that is what an aberrant performer has come up with. <laughs> nice. So aberrant is basically the kind you've, of... You've channeled too much quantum energy because that's their pseudoscience reason for why you get superpowers is you are channeling quantum energy because... At a point in our society, we decided if you put quantum in front of something, it just meant it was, like, crazy powerful science stuff, oh, yeah. and not they, just small. If this book had come out three years later, it would have just been eye powers. Yeah. It'd be like, everyone has an eye node that gains eye powers, giving you the ability to shoot eye lasers. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Cyclops shoots eye lasers, but these are with a lowercase eye. My eye eye lasers. <laughs> but the, uh, yeah. So you have quantum energy from the universe that you... Shuffle through your node and shoot out. Now, when you uh, use too much of that quantum energy in one round, because you uh, are trying to do something crazy or whatever, uh, you used too many power points, now you risk getting taint poisoning. Right. You, your node gets all sloppy and some of the prob- some of your extra quantum gets on your taint. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. So. And, and then once that happens, you might get permanently disfigured. Because of that taint. Right, so what you have to make a uh, fortitude save against a, a base DC of 15, plus, like, the number of power points you spent when you failed or something. Yeah, it was like, however much you spent over what your normal limit per round was and you have as to, the DC. You have to spend this every time you try something called a power stunt, which is when you try and spend, like, way more power points than you should to overcharge a power. You have to make this taint check to see if you broke. If you do, you get a temporary negative level, which you can earn your way out of. It gives you some benefit or some penalties... You can earn your way out of these temporary negative levels, or you can choose to transfer your negative levels into levels of aberrance, which is a whole different class. And you might be forced into doing it because you have two saves you have to make. Yeah. The first save is, after you initially do the power spike of whatever you're doing, you roll to see if you uh, resist the taint poisoning. If you don't, you gain the negative level. Now, after a period of time, you have to make another save, if you fail that save, then you permanently get the aberrant level instead of one of the other levels you have. But if you make your save then, then the negative level goes away and you're like, okay, I was kind of tainted up there, but now I'm good. One of the amusing things about this, though, is that levels of aberrant aren't bad. They're actually a pretty good deal. You get extra power slots, you get bonuses to your quantum, and it's not like it makes you evil, it just makes you mutate well, the game wants you to believe that every time you get an aberrant level, it's making you evil. Because every bad guy in this is like, oh yeah, that's how you get evil looking. Normal superheroes look all like, sexy and whatnot. And then if you are an aberrant, people know because you've gotten all mutated and weird. So they're like, oh, that guy's not a regular superhero. He's a fucking aberrant. Meh. So, yeah. Uh, the other weird thing... <laughs> With Aberrant is you got, you you get a better power progression 
but everyone starts hating you because every time you get an aberrant level, you have to roll for what your mutation is. Yeah. And every single one of them is a penalty to dealing with people. Yeah, almost every single one of them. Some of them are you just hurt people around you on accident and so on. But most of them are just like, oh, people have a negative reaction towards you. But if you don't give a shit, it's a great deal. If you're like, because it doesn't straight straight up mess with your alignment or anything like that. No. So basically you'd be like, alright, one level of Aberrant gives me an extra power slot, which is a really good deal. And two of them gives me an extra power, or two extra power slots and an extra level of Quantum. Yep. That's a huge difference. Actually, it's... So normally every three character levels gives you an extra point in your Quantum stat. Aberrant is every two levels of yeah. Aberrant gives you a point. So you also get, with those, a sped-up way to just increase your power in general. Yeah, so Aberrant, not a bad deal. I, I feel like they didn't do a good enough job of selling it as a terrible thing. I know, for example, spoiler alert for people who actually listen to our uh, bonus content, my character takes a few levels in Aberrant because, fuck, it's good. Yeah, and honestly, you get a bunch of everything. Your base attack goes up plus one for every level, yeah. so you get fighter base attack bonus for every level of Aberrant. Yeah. And it's just... It's just good. Every two levels, you get plus one to your AC. You get fucking good bonus saves, uh, except for Will, because you're all mutated, and uh, you can't save against Taint, and that's yeah, why you're thing. all it's fucked just, up. It's, just to be it's a downward spiral. You get taintier and taintier, <laughs> and eventually you get a super taint. Oh, the super taint. You even get D10 for your hit die. You're getting a fighter hit die. Right? It's a it's, good it's, deal. It's a really good deal. And you can choose aberrant levels if you want to. Yeah, so when you go up, instead of getting it by taint poisoning, you can instead just go, well, fuck it, I want to be more powerful, I'll take a level in aberrant. Yeah, I believe that's considered a taint misbehaving instead. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad I could be a part of the process. <laughs> Alright, so let's talk a bit about the feats that are available specifically in this book. There are several. The first one is the background feats. Each background feat is a series of three feats that are progressive, and they're things like... You have a hideout. Okay, now you have a big hideout. And finally you have a Sanctum Sanctorum. Yeah, so it goes from, alright, I've got an apartment, to I've got a, like, secret lair, to I've got the Fortress of Solitude. Yeah. I, or the Batcave, whatever you, whatever you, you want know, to call one it. Of, one of those iconic, I have a giant place where all my shit goes. Yeah. It's amusing to me that uh, they keep referencing actual superheroes you've heard of in this book. Like, they just didn't care. Oh yeah, they when, did, they're like... Well, this is more of a Batman than a Superman. You're like, really? You can get away with saying yeah. that? There's a part where when it's talking about how your character starts at third level, it's like, this gets you to be a, star a pretty powerful starting hero. You're certainly no Magneto or Spider-Man, but you're definitely on your way. Oh, yeah. Though there's the, the sidebar I'm looking at right now where you are exceptionally normal, where it's like, hey, you can be super powerful and highly intriguing with just technology and gear. A Batman type rather than a Superman. You're like, all right, I don't. I don't know how you're getting away with doing that, but sure, great. So that's the first set of feats you can choose from. There's some pretty neat stuff on them, but others kind of have very specific bonuses that aren't that useful. Like, for example, if you want to take Shadowy Past, all that is is it applies a penalty to NPCs' attempts to knowledge rolls to figure out stuff about you. Yeah, so if someone's trying to do an investigation roll against you to figure out what your deal is, then it's harder for them to do so because you have a mysterious past, you're Wolverine, whatever. I feel like that one's kind of like asshole proofing because it's like what dm is like okay well off screen while you guys aren't paying attention commissioner gordon totally rolls a 20 to figure out that you're batman jerry and the problem is if the dm wanted someone to be like oh well someone's got to find out like what your background is because they're interested in it then he does you're the goddamn dm like that's what happens yeah it's if it's part of the backstory it just happens so it's like 
Those are kind of terrible feats. Some some of them are. Some of them are better. A lot of them just have bonuses to your wealth score. Oh yeah, if you get resources or you get allies or contacts, yeah. it's just a three-stage uh, feat progression of, alright, you get, like, an ally. Now you have a better ally or two allies, and so on. Yeah. It's it's basically all of it holding over from how White Wolf did things, including a wealth score system. This game doesn't have, like, gold pieces. Instead, no, it, you have a wealth stat. It does sort of the D20 modern thing, yeah. where you have to roll a DC check against your wealth and see if, uh, like, there are certain things you can just buy for free, and then other things you have to roll against. The neat thing about the, the uh, background feats that have to do with wealth is that sometimes they give you wealth bonuses, but sometimes, in addition to that... They also lower the DC difficulties of attempting to purchase things. Because it's like, oh, your character is so high in society that he can buy stuff that other people just can't. Well, yeah, that's one of the big things with having, like, uh, contacts and whatnot is you can go, oh, yeah, it's easier for you to get any of the black market stuff. So, like, contraband is normally far more expensive to get, but you have contacts so you can actually get it for a better price. All right, the next set of feats that are unique to this book are basically superpowers that relate to your stats. And they are just upgraded stats. And each one of them is like, oh, you have mega dexterity. You increase your dexterity by your quantum. Yeah, and that will increase as your quantum increases as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, when you get it, even if you pick it up as like one of your first feats and you're like, oh, I've only got like a plus two to my whatever. As you gain levels and get more quantum, you will get additional bonuses as well. Each one of these, in addition to doing that, it also has a list of what are called, uh, I I believe, stunts or or, uh, enhancements. And they are basically bonuses that relate to that stat that you can take. When you pick a feat that is like, oh, let's say, let's say you take Mega Dexterity as one of your feats. In addition to adding Dexterity, your Quantum to your Dexterity, there's a list of additional Dexterity bonuses called Enhancements. You get one of them for free just for taking the feat. The other ones each cost a feat. Yeah. And that is a thing that shows up a lot in this book, where you'll have not just these, uh, the stat powers, which then give you things like, oh, I took Mega strength, so now I can get, like, I can lift way more than I should by spending a power point. Right. Or I can throw stuff, whatever. Or I can crush things, whatever it happens to be. In addition, all of the superpowers have a lot of those where it's like, oh, I have, like, the generic thing where you shoot a laser is Quantum Blast. And you can skin it however you want, so you're like, I shoot fire, I shoot lightning, I, like, shoot rocks, whatever it happens to be. Your Quantum Blast is your generic... I have a power that lets me shoot something. And then you can give modifiers to it. So like, oh, I can modify it so that it goes in an area. So instead of just throwing a bolt of fire, I can do like a fireball. Yeah, or you can set it so it doubles the range or it has homing attack attached to it. All kinds of neat abilities like that 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 basically enhance your ability by spending yet more of your ever-present feats. Yep. And you'll get a bunch of feats, but it almost feels like it's not enough just because everything is tied into it. Everything that you want to do, power-wise, background-wise, enhancements to the things you already have, everything is a feat. (laughs) One of the things that's confusing... It's weird. Yeah, one of the things that's confusing to me about this is that there are a variety of things you have to pay to get stuff. So there are slots, and then there are feats. So, for example, a level 1 power costs a level 1 power slot. A level 3 power costs a level 3 power slot, which is made of 3 level 1 power slots. If you want to add an enhancement to a level 1 or a level 2 power, that costs a feat. If you want to add an enhancement to a level 3 power, that costs a slot. And the weird thing is, you have the difference between slots and feats, but they're both the same thing. You just get slots at different points. 
but you can trade in a slot for a feat. So if I get a new power slot and I'm like, no, all I have is flight and fire. Like, all I want is to be fucking like the human torch, whatever, and I've already got that. I don't need more powers. You can instead trade it in and go, look, I'm just going to get more feats because that's all I wanted was to trade it in for feats rather than another power. That makes sense to me. Like, again, I keep going back to the X-Men well because I feel like this book's great for making the X-Men and not that great for making a lot of other things. Let's say you wanted to make a Cyclops. What does Cyclops have? He can shoot lasers out of his eyes. Can you do anything else? Is there a point where Cyclops obviously gets to 10th level and can do something other than shoot lasers out of his eyes? No, that never happens. What he can do is do crazy ways of shooting lasers out of his eyes. Like he can bounce them off shit, or he can use them to bore through walls. That's the sort of thing that's represented by those enhancements. And then you do have a few things in the X-Men where you go, Oh yeah, Emma Frost hit 10th level and then gained the ability to turn into Diamond. Great. You can do that. Uh, yeah, that feels more to me like Emma Frost hit the early 1990s and gave the ability <laughs> to turn into diamonds. Or the Beast hit level 10 and turned into a panther. He got Catface. <laughs> Does anyone like Catface Beast better than regular Beast? Uh, I don't know. Probably Grant Morrison? That's gotta be it. I mean, otherwise, X-Men ca- uh, cartoon from the 90s Beast is the best Beast. Everything from X-Men cartoon from the 90s is the best of the X-Men. Right? I mean... Give me a Cyclops any day as long as he's wearing that leather jacket that's a little too short around the waist. That is the right Cyclops. That is correct Cyclops. The correct amount of Cyclops. That's right. If Wolverine's going to wear his old yellow outfit, it'd better have the blue highlights and not the brown ones. I love the brown one. I love the different Wolverine costumes specifically because you can tell what year it is of reading that comic immediately just from looking at his costume. It's true. Finally, this game has a lot of other powers that you can choose from, just like any other superhero role-playing game. There's a million different powers to choose from, and these are the ones you spend your power slots on. Yep. So you get uh, levels 1, 2, or 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like everything else in this game, they decided to go with a scale of 3, unlike normal White Wolf, which usually goes with a scale of 5. Well, they didn't want to have to give you even more feats. Yeah, so uh, with this one, your level 1s are your baseline powers that don't do a whole lot, so it'll be like oh, I've got, like, the ability to have telepathy where I can just talk with someone. Right, or claws. Yeah, something yeah. that's very simple that just sort of mimics something you could do normally where it's like, oh, I've got claws, which is basically like just having knives. I've got telepathy, which is just having a walkie-talkie with Qu- someone. Quantum bolt is in that level, and that's just shooting beams. Yeah, it's just I can shoot a beam instead of shooting a gun. Right. So all the level one powers are... About the same as something you would be able to replicate with technology, but you get to do it whenever. Right. The level twos tend to be a little higher up than that, and they tend to define powers that you would see, like, as the main power an X-Man would have. So it's like, oh, I can turn to fire, or I can turn to ice, or I can create darkness in an area. Yeah, it's, uh, you get a little more of the, uh, supernatural outside what you'd normally be able to create. Uh, being able to do things like uh, destroy matter, just like being able to blow stuff up, build a clone of yourself, weird stuff like that. Yeah, the, my least favorite power in the game is in this range, and that's the one called Quantum Vampire, which I gotta say is going to be the weakest power I've ever seen in one of these games, and I've read Marvel superheroes, including its powers book. Huh? Huh? And, and and this this power just lets you, first you choose a power, a different power than Quantum Vampire, so you go like, oh, uh, unaided natural flight, that's the power I choose. Great, when you encounter another superhero who has that power, you can steal it from them if you hit, and they fail a save, for a minute. Yep. Good job. You decided to spend a power 
on the ability to take someone else's power instead of just having that power. And and it's not like you can just take their power or whatever it is. You can only do it if you encounter another hero who has the power that you chose that you could steal. And the big thing is, there's another power that's like quantum imprint, imprint. yeah, which lets you do that, but you can do it for whatever. Yeah, you can do it with up to three powers at a time. It just doesn't last as long. And instead of one minute per character level, it's one round per character level. But even then, you're like, oh, what do you have? Uh, I've got, like, invulnerability to fire... And also Fire Blast. You're like, great, I'll take your invulnerability to fire, fire, and then you can eat my ass, because now I'm invulnerable to your Fire Blast. I don't even have the eat my ass power. (laughs) (laughs) We talked earlier about how that's a power. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's what my uh, quantum vampire got. (laughs) He got eat my ass. He can only steal it from other players who have eat my ass powers. Yeah, no, he's he's called the groceries. (laughs) And so everyone's like, man, I wish I could eat the booty like groceries. (laughs) Good lord. <laughs> alright, alright, so there's... And then the level, level threes. threes. Yeah, the level threes are all of your, like, crazy world-shaking shit, where it's, like, full shape-shifting, where you can turn into anything you want. Energy construct creation, time manipulation. Yeah, so all of the ones that are, like, this is what your normal, like, super villain would have. Gravity control, yeah, they're all really good. They're And the interesting thing about these is that they all come with a bunch of super enhancements, which you... I mean, they come with an amazing range of power to start, but then to buy extra powers out of a level 3 power costs you level 1 power slots. So it's really expensive to upgrade a level 3 power. Well, usually they're looking at it, and the level 1 and 2s have, like we were mentioning before, the I can make it be in an area or increase range or whatever. You don't get those for the level 3 powers. The level 3 powers, if you want to change how they function, you have to buy one of these upgrades. Now, you get one... For free when you get it, because yeah. it's just, alright, I have, like, I have magnet, magnetic manipulation, uh, I'm gonna get the one that lets me create, like, a shrapnel field. Okay, cool. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it, it all, it all adds together pretty nicely. It does make sense. It's like the difference between, again, like Cyclops being able to bounce his beam off a wall, versus when, uh, the Human Torch does his Nova explosion. Yeah. Like, that second one is also a power stunt, but it's, like, crazy powerful power stunt. So it makes sense that it's kind of a level 3 upgrade, it actually takes a power to do it. Yeah, and then also, because you got a level 3, that's usually character-defining, which means, at that point, you may as well be spending your slots on that, because it's making what defines your character better anyway. Right. Alright, so uh, I think we actually have to break this down now, and start talking about our favorite and least favorite things in this game. John, what would you say is your favorite thing about Aberrant D20? Probably the best thing in this book for me is, uh, the world building? Like, it's at least interesting. I know that it's a dumb, shitty, Randian super town, but at least it's something different. Uh, I feel like a lot of, especially superhero games that aren't, uh, based on a license end up just going... Yeah, the world is pretty much just the same as any Marvel or DC or whatever. Uh, the It's very White Wolf feeling in that they decided, well, we want to be, like, a little grittier with our superheroes. But at least it's... Like, they, they went ahead and went, yeah, if there were superheroes, they would do a lot of shit aside from just stop crying. Like, that's one of the big ones, is they go, yeah, that's oh, if you're, if you're a guy that can talk to machines, yeah, you fucking work for Microsoft and make billions of dollars. You don't go, I'm fighting crime, herf-a-derf-a-derf. You're like, no, fuck that, I make a shitload of money. 
Like, that's just a thing I would imagine would happen. Yeah, that, that is pretty accurate. Like, I always think, oh, what if I got superpowers? And my first thought is, how do I use them to cheat in Vegas? Oh, yeah. That's well, it's always thing. like, okay, if I get superpowers, what do I do? Okay, well, how do I make money? Right. That's like, okay, what's the power I get? I can see through things, so I'm going to go cheat in Vegas. I get telekinesis, so I'm going to go play craps in Vegas. <laughs> that's my first thought is, I'm going to go cheat in Vegas. And then maybe we'll see about fighting crime, I guess. Once I'm super rich and I own an island... Yeah, once I'll, I'm also Batman. Yeah, I'll think about fighting crime. But the first thing I'm going to do is go take a lot of money from people in Las Vegas. Yeah, so I think that aspect of it, the fact that uh, most of them... Like, the whole big thing is, like, Japan has an entire program where they're like, we need to start employing supers, we're in a supers race. I gotta say, I was pretty impressed with what they did with Japan in this one because it was not the standard fantasy Japan thing you get. It was oh, like, yeah, it oh, wasn't yeah. like, oh, yeah, superheroes come back, and now they're all samurai. Yeah, and they have the most honorable code. They didn't do that. Instead, they were like, no, Japan's economy crashed super hard when the world's did, and their attempt to get things back on track after the world crashed was to buy in heavy to superheroes, which they don't try to control with shinobi codes or any or whatever. They just go, hey, guys, welcome to town. Do whatever you want, but do it in Japan. Yeah, they were just like, look, we have huge government incentives to employ supers. Just do it. Yeah. I thought that was awesome, because usually whenever the book's got a huge section on Japan, I'm like, I, I just cringe, because I'm like, oh no, it's going to put a bunch of shit about honor and ninjas in there into modern Japan. Yeah, so, while there is a whole bunch of just really dumb racist bullshit in here, yeah. it at least is different than other ones. It missed Japan. It missed it by a little yeah. bit. I mean, granted, it was actually just sort of retelling Japanese history, because that's what happened to Japan the first time there was a major economic crash. Huh. It fell apart dramatically and then rebuilt itself as an electronics giant in the 80s. Yeah. So there you go. That would be my favorite thing in here, is they did at least some thought into the background. Oh, yeah, it was kind of... It, there was some neat stuff. Okay, so your uh, favorite thing in the book? I'm going to say my favorite thing in this book is the sense of identity you get from the heroes. It really gives you a sense of, of who the heroes are and why... and uh, because they all have kind of a unified power structure, you get this sense of, oh, all of them have the same power, they all have the same way that their power's developed, and it, it kind of creates a sense of community community amongst them, which is kind of rare in superhero books. The fact that they also know what powers come from and how you get them is interesting. Yeah. Because there's an entire section in the book where it's like, oh yeah, normally MR nodes are only activated during times of extreme stress or peril, and people will purposefully put themselves in those to see Which if they is, can become heroes. Like trying to win the super lottery, because it's a one in a million chance. Actually, no, wait, the lottery is way less likely than becoming oh, yeah. a superhero in this universe. No, it, in this, they're like, oh yeah, people will go like, I go skydiving without a parachute, I just jump out of a plane, in the hopes that my MR node activates and I get flight. One of the fun ways I saw for the MR node to activate is that you're just in the presence of other activated MR nodes. Oh yeah, so they're if like, if, if supers are fighting around you... Yeah, then that'll wake you up and you'll be like, I'm part of the fight! Rah! Well, yeah, because quantum energy is being thrown around and some, like, passes through your brain or some shit. But I like the idea of focusing why superheroes are around. Because usually when you do these books, you have to be like, alright, we've got to account for Batmans and Ironmans, and we got to do Spidermans and X-Mans. <laughs> and we got to have people who are aliens. we got to have people who are ghosts. Once we get all that stuff, we can probably get the superhero genre out there and get it out to people. It's like, no, you don't need to do that for every single superhero universe. I like that this one was... Stuck to its guns and was like, yeah, if you're a super tech hero, then, you know, you can do Iron Man stuff, but the reason you can do that is because you're a crazy MR node mutant. Yeah, so everything is based around being a superhero, even if you express it in weird ways that aren't standard superheroes. So there you go. That, that's, I'm going to say that's my favorite thing about this book, is that it creates a, a kind of cultural superhero identity, which is a rare thing to find in these books. Yeah. Uh, your least favorite thing. 
Uh, okay, so you had mentioned the, uh, the tech hero thing in there. Mm-hmm. There's an invention system in this. That is true. And the invention system is mostly garbage. You can do two things. One is, uh, super, uh, inventions that are just enhancements. And all it is is, my gun is plus one, or my car seats another person now. Yeah. Like, it's just the worst shit. Gets slightly better gas mileage. Oh, yeah. It's like, oh, my car goes, like, ten miles an hour faster. Wee! Yeah. And then the other one? And then the other one is, I use this to create a super innovation, and super innovations are, you have to, like, roll a bunch of DC checks and do a whole bunch of shit, and if you manage to pass it, you can have a item of technology that duplicates a power. Which means if you take this this uh, as your character progression path, you go like, alright, I have superpowers and I'm just like everyone else, but one of the feats I spent was on super invention. I can build extra superpowers for myself. Except you still have to... Uh, you can only have a certain amount of super innovations that you can hold at any one time. Yeah. So you still don't get to be like, oh, I cheated the system and now I have 20 superpowers. It's... Well, I spent stuff on being able to make things. Mm-hmm. It's just now I can kind of pick and choose, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. It's not terrible. The first half of it is pretty terrible. The whole, oh, yeah, I spent all of my super brain on getting a uh, a car that seats an extra person. Yeah, no, the the general super invention system being just, I have a longsword plus one is fucking boring I mean, I understand hell. why it's in there, because longsword plus one is part of the 3.0 license. Yeah. So you're like, oh, what do you have? I have a longsword brand pistol. It's plus one. We... Was that from Romeo plus Juliet just now? It was! Good <laughs> catch! <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, that, that system really fell flat for me, probably because it wasn't a feat. If it was a feat, then yeah, sure. Yeah, it was weird that it wasn't a feat. I mean, if it was on. just I took a feat and now I have a plus one pistol, I could understand it. But actually rolling for something? Come on, guys. What are you trying to do here? I know. Who are they trying to kill? <laughs> okay, so least favorite thing for you? Oh, I already said it. There's a whole big section of this book that not only has the worst attempt to write like Hunter S. Thompson you've ever encountered, but also a very poor attempt to draw like Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> so for 13 pages, you get to follow the adventures of Duke Rollo. Because one of Hunter Thompson's pen names was Duke Raoul. And and get to see a bunch of art that's inspired by the cover of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Yep. And it's it just goes on and on. And it, he's like the Aaron Tarn of this book. Yeah, because before you got sort of a timeline and you'd get a few interviews with people so you'd kind of figure out what was going on. But for the what is currently happening in the game... You have to read through fucking, like, 13 pages of this bullshit. Right. And it's just him doing the... You can hear the bad Johnny Depp coming out of it. He'd read the page, like, what's going on in Canada? Oh, well, Canada's, uh... Let me tell you, you can see where the wave crowd... Officer, I, I, I'm I, sober enough to know that I'm drunk, and uh, you voted for Hubert Humphrey. And, uh, okay, so in Canada, everyone is... Everyone is a communist, and they don't like... They don't like things, and I, I uh... I, I can... Let's get down to brass tacks. How much for the ape? Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was a mile outside of Portland when the superpowers kicked in. Yeah, it's just that. It's like, get over it. You don't need it. I mean, you can create that there's a character named Duke Rollo in your universe, but there's not only so much of it you need to do. Yeah, the fact that they gave the entire What's Happening Now section to him, ugh. Yeah, you know, they really could have given the uh, What's Happening Now section to uh, Tootie or that guy who said Dynamite. J.J. <laughs> Walker. J.J. Walker, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that I'm not the only one making the oldest jokes in the world. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Would you play Aberrant D20? Um, 
probably, and it's mostly because I'm a sucker for superhero games. Yeah, yeah. The problem I have with is it is, even though it starts you at level 3, which is great because any fucking old D20 game should start you past level 1 because level 1 is bullshit and all of those. It makes no sense to me. Why didn't they just make level 1 characters as powerful as regular level 3 characters and progress from there? But whatever, moving on. Anyway, uh, even then I'd still want to be level 6 just so I could have a level 3 power to start with. Because not being able to get a level 3 power until level 6 means if my character concept is I'm a shapeshifter, I'm fucking morph, whatever, I can't do that. I have to sit on my powers and go, look, I'm not spending any of my power slots. I'm just going to be useless until level 6. Is that cool, guys? Well, actually, I if it helps, I min-maxed it out in my head while we've been doing the rest of the podcast. If you go Warrior 1, Superhero 2, Aberrant 1 then you can have a third level power slot by the time you are level four. Oh, good. So if that if that helps you feel any better. I don't think you're allowed to... I think you have to take at least one of those class levels before you can start layering on aberrants and superhero levels oh, to them. Oh, no. Yeah, well, you'd have to take fucking... You need at least one warrior or entertainer or well, whatever. Yeah, because your first level is always a level of one of the base classes with yes. a superhero template. That's correct. So I don't think that you could do a... Uh, Hey, your character is just uh, two levels of superhero and one level of aberrant? No, you so, cannot. So you can't get pulled off at level three, but you can pull it off one level after starting the game if you want. Even then, it's still, you start the game and can't do anything. Sure you can. You've got all those skills and feats, and you can spend all those feats on those superpowers that are not bought with uh, power slots. So you just go, okay, for the first level of this game that we're playing, guys, my character is amazingly fast and strong, but he doesn't shoot lasers or whatever, and when we get to the next level, he gets a gross mutation because he's ugly, and he gets his super crazy superpower. So that's you, you can contribute for that first level just with those feats that are almost superpowers. That should make you feel okay. Eh. Eh. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I tried to help. I min-maxed it out in the meantime, and I tried to help. Yeah, no, again, I feel like probably even then, just start someone at level 4 if you want that, but the fact that you can't start with a level 3 power makes me sad. It should make you sad, because one of the things about superhero games in general is that they're front-loaded. Yeah, and that's the weird thing about this, is it has to go with D20's level progression, Yeah, and it ends up making it so that you have to be a weird mutant just gets powers randomly. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the whole front-loading of superhero games. That's always been a... Th- it's, it's a trope with them, and it has to be, because you never get a story where Spider-Man has... 300 issues of his comic book before he figures out web swinging. Yeah, you, there's never a point where Spider-Man all of a sudden gets extra arms and extra powers. That just doesn't happen. <laughs> Alright, so that happens constantly. Uh, but those are stunts. Those are clearly stunts. I mean, Spider-Man issue one of his comic book can swing from webs uh, any size. He can catch thieves whether or not they are just like flies. It's it's very impressive what he can do at the first level of, of, of a Spider-Man story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> here, here comes that Spider-Man. So there you go. That's uh, that's been System Mastery for the week. Got anything else you want to add? Uh, we're, not really. We're way the shit over. So uh, if you have any RPGs you'd like to recommend to us or mail to us, just let us know. You can get us at SystemMastery at gmail.com or on Twitter at SystemMastery or on Facebook at SystemMastery. You can subscribe on our, uh, on our RSS feeds on iTunes or Stitcher. Be alert so that if you're using a Podkicker on Android, any one of those podcast software downloads on Android... There is currently something wrong between Android and WordPress. Yeah, it's, our, it's a weird thing where they need to update the Android software because they're having a problem getting things from the website. So It's not us. We didn't do it. Yeah, so any of the 
like iTunes, Stitcher, things like that, you're not going to have as much of a problem with. Any of the more, uh, like, little-known ones, probably you're going to get some issues you may have noticed already. Like, so. it took me forever to figure this out, because I have an old-ass copy of the Android operating software on my phone, because it's an old shitty phone, and I have an old copy of Podcast or Podkicker on there that I use to download the episodes. So for me, it's working great, because I don't have the most recent Android software. <laughs> so just wait when Android updates its, its OS again, which it should be doing, because it's a known issue. Uh, that'll be fixed. We, we already know about it. I wish I could do more. Uh, otherwise, you can support us on our Patreon feed if you want. You can download the episodes there, why not? And if you do, then you get our bonus content episodes, which I am about to go record one of, even though it will literally kill me. Yep, this is the last episode. Jeff's gonna die. I'm gonna eat his heart and gain his power. Yeah, I've got literally all the fluid in my body is draining out of my nose right now as I try to talk to you. <laughs> uh, so, join us next week. Uh, for an afterthought, get our, get your questions into us for that. Any dumb questions you want to ask to me and the desiccated husk that will be Jeff. Yeah, we'll actually have a guest on next week's episode, so, uh, maybe he'll be able to fill my place as I will be a rotting corpse at that time. Yeah, maybe I'll be able to consume his heart and gain even more strength. That will be great. Uh, this has been the System Mastery Podcast. As always, have a wonderful week.